From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. One school, one university, and or one conference and or the NCAA writ large settles, uh, you know, blood's in the water. Dozens of lawsuits were filed last month from players from schools across all divisions of football targeting the NCAA and private universities, charging they did not protect student-athletes from later-life brain trauma. 200 more cases are in the pipeline, joining 110 other class complaints. Today on our show, we sit down with sports law expert Peter Carfagna to tackle the issue. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Catherine. Always a pleasure to be here at the University of Miami. Oh, thanks. Um, So we're talking about the future of football and concussions. Why the wave of lawsuits all of a sudden? You know, uh, there's over 200 cases in the pipeline, uh, in addition to a bunch of class action complaints, uh, all of which have been consolidated. Your question is, why why is this happening? It's happening because uh, the plaintiffs are getting past motion. They're Mm -hmm. getting past motions to dismiss. Uh, on behalf of the NCAA and the member conferences and the individual schools. And uh, I think plaintiff's counsel, uh, anybody who's listening out there, see uh, a potential bonanza in contingent fee uh, returns on settlements or verdicts. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to get to it, but there's been one case, uh, Pletz, down in Texas that did result in in a confidential, but we assume major settlement. Mm -hmm. And once one school, one university and or one conference and or the NCAA writ large settles, uh, you know, blood's in the water. Mm-hmm. It's, it's precedent setting. So how many of these do you, do you feel like are going to go the distance? Well, that that's the, look, if I could have the answer to that question, I wouldn't be sitting here and be making money on <laughs> I've been asked to consult in these cases by both oh. sides, and I, I just can't because I teach this. But uh, I, I think, you know, the best thing to analogize to, and those who are listening might be familiar with, the tobacco lawsuits mm-hmm. are going way back, the asbestos lawsuits. I mean, it's like anybody who has played. I mean, we're talking about thousands. Of, if we're, we're limiting ourselves to the NCAA here now, for now, NFL is another one. Right. But if we're talking about the NCAA, we're talking about thousands of people who have played mm-hmm. who have post-traumatic brain, TBI, mm-hmm. injury, uh, and are only now discovering it and trying to draw approximate cause between that and their playing in the NCAA. And that's really the catch as to how many there could or would be um, they really don't admit of class action certification because each each case is, is individualized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there could be some settlements, mass settlements that you, know, you could opt out of, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, and then take your own individual case. But I, 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 there's no limit to how many there could be. Mm-hmm. So very much like the smoking. Yes, very, tobacco. very much. And down in Florida, as you probably know, they're still trying individual t- tobacco cases, mm-hmm. you know, to this day. Yeah, so, you know, many states have, have achieved, I'm, I'm going to call it a mass tort epidemic, Catherine. I mean, that's really what this, this is occasioning. Mm-hmm. What weighs in the plaintiff's favor and, and what weighs in the defense's favor? Well, sympathy on the plaintiff's side. I mean, you know, Plutz, I mean, these are people usually who don't uh, get diagnosed till way late in the game. And I'm uh, pardon the pun, way after the game, mm-hmm. uh, they don't start to get symptoms till way after they've left college or more the pros. Uh, and then um, the symptoms kick in with a vengeance and the wives or the survivors are saying, what the heck happened to dad? I mean, you need to go all the way to Aaron Hernandez. You know what I mean? 
when uh, the BU Brain Bank examined his brain, they found CTE to the point where he, he looked like a 50-year-old, mm-hmm. right? What's CTE? Oh, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Yeah. It's the protein deposits on the brain that mm-hmm. prevents your brain from functioning, so you become a mad person, a crazy person. Mm-hmm. I'm not justifying anything Aaron Hernandez did. I'm just using him as an exemplar. Right. Or Junior Seau, who shot himself, said, you know, uh, Dave Dewerson going back, or captain of the Notre Dame team and a multi-year all-pro with the Bears shot himself and left a note saying, please examine my brain. Uh, don't let this happen to the next uh, great player. You know, I mean, it really gets tragic. So so that's, that weighs heavily in plaintiff's favor is you've got traumatic brain injury. CT right now is only diagnosable post-mortem technically. So uh, however, there are indicators for it, pre-mortem before. Mm-hmm. So, and certainly the signs and the symptoms, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, dementia, you know, you just go go through the whole list of terrible uh, traumatic brain TBI. I'm going to use that as a phrase, TBI injuries that these guys are experiencing. And it's hard for a jury or a judge to say you don't get anything here, mm-hmm. you know. And, and what's on the other side, is that a sufficient answer to that first part yeah, of the question? It's very perfect. sympathetic plain. So very sympathetic plain. Especially on the defense and on that note is that, now that we know about TBI, now that the um, the evidence is there, now that the science is there, how does the guy who's getting injured now then bring suit later? Right. Well, Schmitz is the case. It's the only one that's gone to So this is both at the federal and state level. But at the, in my home state of Ohio, a guy I played high school football against went on to play Notre Dame. At Notre Dame was a punt returner, got tried out with the Browns, Steve Schmitz. Uh, he tried that very issue, discovery mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. He's dead now. So as the state was trying, he got CTE diagnosed post-mortem. And, and you know, Notre Dame had to say, it's a private institution, so there's no sovereign immunity. Mm-hmm. I'm just answering your general question with a specific answer. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the House State Supreme Courts went with the discovery defense. When would a reasonable plaintiff have discovered that he was suffering an injury that was proximately caused by his having played football at Notre Dame? Mm-hmm. And they remanded it and said, the case is open. Now we're going to remand it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to dismiss it. Um, you know, he waited 40 years to mm-hmm. file it. He stopped playing in the 70s. Right. Okay, but they said, no, we're going to remand this for further discovery. See, well, when should he have discovered it? You know, when should he have gone to the Cleveland Clinic and been diagnosed? It did happen within the two-year statute of limitations. Right. All those things. So mm-hmm. it gets very individualized, very... Um, you know, that, that, that case is, is very problematic for the defense. The mm-hmm. fact that if we're going to use the discovery rule state to state, like when should you have known? Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it is like tobacco, but like the Surgeon General's warning kind of put everybody on notice you should stop smoking. Right. Right. We, we don't quite have that here with concussions yet. But will we? I mean, it's, it feels like if you're thinking about letting your kid play high school football and you're a real football fan, would you have much of a case when – that person, that child grows up and, and has, has a brain injury because he should have known that he could, was, was making that risk. I know money's involved and it can be quite a motivator. Well, he has no informed consent. He's a minor, you know, so the parents are, you know, in loco parentis. I think that's the problem, Mm -hmm. you know, as Sonny Boy get in there at age six and start hitting people in the head in Texas and Oklahoma and Football, so-called football crazy states, where they, they start tackle football at four, mm-hmm. six. I mean, that kid doesn't know what he's getting into. So you can't say that kid assumed the risk, for example. And the parents really can't meaningfully have assumed the risk. Mm-hmm. 
uh, on behalf of that young, I mean, we have, we have cases where high school kids, here's what happens is you get so depressed from getting hit in the head so many times that you kill yourself. Mm -hmm. We have high school kids have done that. College kids have done that. So we're going to see these suits for, for generations. My only analogy is, is tobacco, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or asbestos, you know, I laid pipe. Oh my gosh. I just realized I was, I was a pipe work, pipe fitter that I was exposed to. I mean, I put John's Manville out of, out of uh, I worked on those cases when I was at John's Day. I put John's Manville into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this all seems to focus on football. Why aren't we seeing this with, you know, rugby or cage fighting or boxing? We are. Um, so, I mean, full disclosure, I'm on the board of, the Concussion Legacy Foundation, that's where I'm getting most of my information, which is the BU Brain Bank, the VAB Brain Bank. Mm-hmm. So we have um, affiliations with uh, in Australia with Australian Rules Rugby Football. Uh, brains are being examined. We have affiliations in the world of professional soccer mm-hmm. where brains are being – we also have veterans. We have uh, a VAs, you know, because this is the same post-traumatic uh, uh, brain TBI mm-hmm. that a veteran goes through. So we have a – project called Project Enlist from those who are suffering from TBI post, you know, as veterans. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, so we are seeing it explode. We had a pro bono filing in the youth soccer uh, against the U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, we, we meaning our foundation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to prevent headers in U.S. soccer affiliated programs until a certain age. We had hoped for 14. Uh, we got 11. We're hoping to get to age 12. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, across the board, your lacrosse, even hockey. I mean, all the sports, any contact sport. So our new, I get to be a little bit of an advocate here and a little bit away from what we're talking about, but certainly as to football, our new, new initiative is flag under 14. Don't hit kids in the head till they're 14. Don't, don't let them hit each other in the head till mm-hmm. they're 14. Play flag. Then you get to a high school. All 50 states have pretty good return to play guidelines. Pretty good. You must have a trainer on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Get to a good high school program with a good trainer, with a coach who's been trained, right? And then if, if you make the informed decision at age 14, you want to play a contact sport, including football, then go right ahead. But up to that point, play flag. We have a Hall of Fame of guys who are in the actual NFL Hall of Fame who never played football until they went to high school. Mm-hmm. And so you learn the skills, but you don't get hit in the head. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll see the end of Football, or will it go to professional flag football? No, well, I mean, yeah, of course that's evolving. No, no, it, it, it's a gladiatorial sport. It's still the ratings this year were off the charts. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a sport. You know, it is. It is. Everybody wants to see the big hits. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just it is our uh, kind of Roman Colosseum sport, and um, it, it's unique to our culture. It's kind of in our DNA. But I think. Uh, the, the byproduct of the question that you're asking is it goes back to your prior question, like what, what parent allows the kid to play, mm-hmm. right? And the youth football, except in certain states where football crazy, the numbers of kids participating in tackle football is going way down mm-hmm. across the board, nation, pretty much nationwide with a few exceptions. So, right. so I think we're seeing the end of anybody who knows better allowing the kid to play tackle football before they're 14, mm-hmm. anybody who's willing to know, who cares to know. And, but the, the inverse of that, Catherine, is there's a lot of people who don't care to know. And, mm-hmm. and the socioeconomic divide sure. is, is, is quite extreme here mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. inner city uh, youth tackle football right here in Miami is 
I mean, off the charts. I mean, they're assigning kids to football scholarships in seventh grade based on what they see in Muni League. You know, they're betting on those games. You know, it's the a way kids are getting paid. Right. You know, in seventh grade, score a touchdown. Here's a hundred bucks. You know, that's been going on for years. Mm. But uh, so it becomes a socioeconomic divide. Mm. And when you when you look at it, who's going to choose or whose parents are going to choose to let their you know kid get exposed to this because of the potential for Division One scholarship? It's those who need it the most, perhaps. While we're speaking of money, um, the NFL kind of pulled uh, Bob Costas' ticket for uh, the Super Bowl um, based on his commentary about the negative impacts of football. Can right. you comment on that? Sure. He was our, our person of the year. We have an annual gala our foundation does, and he came and we celebrated his demise, <laughs> you know, so just, you know, uh, he's a wounded warrior. He, mm-hmm. he, we, he, he sponsored an entire broadcast journalism uh, foundation sponsored group, starting with the great broadcasting schools, including the one that he went to with the Syracuse's and the Northwesterns to educate broadcasters in how to broadcast um, uh, when people get hit in the head, you know, basically, mm-hmm. you know, like let's not, call it a ding. Not, let's not call it, oh, that was a great hit. Oh boy, let's celebrate the greatest hits of all time. So so there's a whole, he, he has championed and contributed to uh, a whole renaissance of, of how broadcasters should approach TBI when it happens right before their very eyes, right? How mm-hmm. it should be announced to the, to the public. Um, so he, he is a champion uh, for me. And he was, as we know from all sorts of published reports, he was um, you know, uh, sent to the sideline. Mm-hmm. He sent to the sideline unceremoniously discharged of his duties for speaking what he felt was the truth. I, look, I have friends on both sides of this. I don't know the interstices. I don't know. I don't know the internal workings, but, but based on public reports, he, he, he spoke what he believed to be the truth and he's gone. Does that speak to the NFL has too much power? Well, I have friends. I, I hope I love, I love all my friends at the NFL too, uh, you know, too much power. Look, I mean, money talks and everything else walks. Mm-hmm. I mean, those media rights just across the three leagues, but especially, I mean, look at the Super Bowl, what it cost to advertise 30 seconds. I mean, uh, all I would say is, is um, look, uh, you pay your money and you take your chances. You know what I mean? I, I mean, you want to be on their side of this issue. They have a, a multi-billion dollar settlement. They feel like they how many rule changes has the NFL made over the years and mm-hmm. continues to make player safety changes. There's another side to this coin. There really is. And I have to be fair to my friends at the NFL. I think they're doing all they can to ensure player safety. And, and at that level, if you're playing, you're, you are assuming the risk. Mm-hmm. You, you know what you're getting into in the NFL by that time. Right. In my humble opinion. In your humble opinion. Um, what, so what's next? What's the next shoe to drop? Just all these. Well, and there's no insurance. Mm-hmm. No insurance, uh, especially for high schools and colleges. High schools, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a good friend named Holt Hackney has a litigation reporter, a concussion litigation reporter. I commend it to anybody who wants to follow this space. And more and more when I get it each month, uh, it's high schools getting sued, high school athletic associations getting sued, uh, insurance companies pulling out of the market altogether. They just, you know, they can't abide these settlements. I mean, and as I said, I mean, every case that it sneaks through the cracks and gets past motion. And if it's confidential or not, people know money has been paid. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's going to be replicated. Interesting. All right. Anything else you'd like to add? 
Oh, I just hope I've been fair enough uh, to both to both sides. I, I do think. Well, we never finish. Like, what what is the best answer on on the NCAA side? And and I think again to be fair to everybody on the university side too. At this point, every collegiate athlete knows what he's getting into too, mm-hmm. right? In football, so let's say the assumption of risk defense is pretty strong right now, and I think. I did a seminar, I moderated a symposium on this uh, not too long ago with Dr. Bob Cantu, who is the co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, and Oliver Luck was on the panel representing that he's no longer with the NCAA represent. And they kind of went back and forth and back and forth. And Chris Nowinski, who's the other co-founder of the, of the foundation, was on the panel. And, I mean, I think most panelists, most of the people came away from that panel, Catherine, thinking, there's two sides to this story, mm-hmm. right? And certainly NFL says long and hard and strong, a lot of really good defenses here. So, I mean, they're not going to capitulate, nor should they anytime soon, nor should the NCAA, nor should any member institution. I mean, I really think this what we get down to in asbestos or tobacco is state-of-the-art defense. Mm-hmm. What should these member institutions have known when? And when did it become? When did a duty become incumbent upon them? When, when was it their duty to warn, to institute? They, they being the NCAA or the member institution. Same at high school, mm-hmm. either the state association or the individual high school. When when was the state of the art of the literature? So it, it reached, it evolved to the point where um, a duty was created to warn mm-hmm. and to prevent return to play after. Concussive hit. Right. That's really the fulcrum point, mm-hmm. right? And you do an epidemiological study. I mean, studies that could choke a horse. I mean, there's studies that you, you couldn't fit them in this room. They go back to the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. And that's basically what Bob Cantu did in the Pletz case down in Texas. He basically said, you know, what he said at our seminar. Well, in the 20s, doctors knew this. In the 30s, doctors knew that. Mm-hmm. 40s, 50s, 60s. And he was indifferent about the outcome, he, you know, in, in a way, even though he was testifying for the plaintiff. But he was saying, right. well, if, if, if the epidemiological community knew this, then how come the NCAA didn't know it or the University of Texas didn't know mm-hmm. it? You know, like, like the burden almost began to shift to, come on, you, you had your head in the sand because everybody, you know, any, any doctor, now there's still doctors like who, who deny, like in the NHL concussion litigation, I mean, they're... Commissioner still denies any cause, causal connection between playing professional hockey and, and TBI, which, mm-hmm. and they've reached a tentative settlement over there um, in the NHL. So, I mean, there's still naysayers, I guess, to, you know, to finish it off, there's still those who say, oh, it wasn't proximately caused by my participation in this. It was caused, you fell off a horse. Mm-hmm. Oh, you took drugs. Oh, you, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh, and then at the next level, show me which hit it was. Show me which hit right. did it to you. Well, no, it's the cumulative subconcussive hits mm-hmm. that does it. It's every hit in practice that adds up. Not so much the how many concussions did you have. Well, and how many concussions? Oh, case dismissed. You have any concussion? Yeah, but you got hit in the head about a hundred times a week, mm-hmm. right? And and maybe more. Now mm-hmm. the other thing, like the Ivy League model, is they don't. We had the Ivy League represented at that same symposium. They don't allow tackling to the ground during the season mm-hmm. in practice. I think that's a great that's a great thing, mm-hmm. and, and the kids, the Dartmouth initiated it. Uh, the guy at Dartmouth, 
coach at Dartmouth mm. invented with their tech and engineering school, a tackling dummy that replicates a running back. And they just run this dummy all over the field. And that's the only thing kids are allowed to tackle at mm-hmm. Dartmouth. And Dartmouth's program has improved exponentially. Well, that's certainly good news. So there, the Steelers, some of the pro teams use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Players Association, I know DeMaury Smith is coming down here for our symposium. You know, they have all sorts of um, safety guidelines now about return to play in the NFL, which, which is good. You know, wish they'd do away with the kickoff. Uh, I wish they'd have only fair catches on punts, you know, that sort of thing. So there's the, more, those more are the most, done. there's way more to be done. But, uh, you know, there's two sides every coin. So you're started by asking, is football going to go, no, will, will it become flag? I don't think so. I, I think it'll become a much safer sport. And I think those who play it will know exactly what they're getting into. And they'll be treated better, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, by, by knowledgeable. But, but how this litigation goes is going to depend on what juries and judges believe the state of the art was in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s before any of these. I mean, the NCAA didn't put out a guideline until 2010, I believe it was. So mm. it's pretty late in the game, mm-hmm. pretty late in the game. And then the members, so the SEC or the ACC, you know, was it incumbent on them to put something in place for Miami being a member of the ACC or was it incumbent upon Miami to do it on its mm. own? You know, all these things get mixed and matched to say, well, who, who's, or is it the coach who, who put me back in when he shouldn't have, and he should have known better, or did the coach not know better? I mean, it really gets down to that infinitesimal level of detail. Or... Yeah, and I don't, I don't. If I knew the answer, I guess I wouldn't be sitting here. But I do think, I do think it's a plaintiff's night. It's a defendant's lawyer's nightmare and a plaintiff's lawyer's dream, because you pop, you hit any any of these, and then the door gets wider and wider open. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're playing for contingency fees here, and. I, okay, members of the plaintiff's bar, good friends, more power to you. I mean, if you can change, I mean, it's the way things change. When, when people talk about legislative, we do have legislative initiatives that have been successful about training at the high school level, mm-hmm. okay, and return to play at the high school level. Foundation's been instrumental in that. But if you're going to change an industry, one of the great ways to do it is make them pay. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, litigation, litigation, litigation. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, on that note, we're glad you were sitting here. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I'm so glad to stop by. Is that helpful? Very. Thank you. Okay. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining us at The Explainer. On next week's episode, we're with constitutional expert Caroline Mala Corbin tackling abortion and the new Supreme Court. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Ray D. Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uguez. Today's show was brought to you by Miami Law, ranked a top law school for diversity by Pre-Law Magazine. Join the Multicultural Admissions Workshop on March 2nd on the Coral Gables campus.